Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast, Episode 10. I'm your host, Jason Powers, and we have our show's co-host, Michael Banks, up in Birmingham, Alabama. How you doing, Mike? Good. How are you doing tonight, Jason? I hope you, hope you and the fam had a nice Thanksgiving. I did. How was yours? It was good. Yeah, we were just down here with the family, uh, spent Thanksgiving Day with mom, and had a little early afternoon visit at dad's house for a little bit before we went to mom's for the feast and the trip to in the trip to fan fest. Yeah. <laughs> with the, yeah. About the time Amari Cooper was running down the sideline in Dallas. I was, I was just yes. about passed out. Yes. Big Amari, <laughs> your boy from the, from the tide, finally waking up in big D. So yep. big, big game for him. Any, uh, did you, now did you partake in any, uh, uh, Friday shopping? I did Black not. Friday. I did not. I was working that day, fortunately, and uh, even if I wasn't, I would still not be partaking. Yeah, I, I had intentions of at least going to the mall for a bit. I, for some reason, I, I enjoy being around when the when there's a big crowd at the mall. I don't mind a little 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 crowd, but I didn't I didn't end up making it to the mall. But uh, you know, it sounds like it was a uh, prosperous weekend. I hope for for all the vendors out there and all the businesses. I know you had a little excitement up there in Birmingham at, at the big Galleria up, up in Birmingham. Yeah, we did. That was uh, actually Thanksgiving night, so uh, not uh, not good times up in Hoover right now. Maybe maybe they were maybe they were a little down and distraught because the uh, the rising up of the Falcons did not take flight in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a uh, it was a rough game for the Falcons. So yeah, that that might have been what what led to it. Hopefully not though. All right, I hear. Okay. All right, so tonight we just want to give you a quick update. The uh, our, our podcast, Powers on Sports podcast, is now on iTunes. Uh, we just got approved in the last week or so on that, so you can you can check us out on iTunes on the iTunes app, and also you can catch us on Spotify and Stitcher. So tell a friend about our podcast if you take a listen and you like what you hear. Uh, you can also send us some comments at on Twitter at at kick the fb at kick the fb love to hear from you if you have any suggestions comments uh critiques whatever it is give us a shout we'd love to hear from you all right so tonight on the podcast mike we're gonna we're gonna talk to the people about the the latest college football rankings we're getting to we're we're at the penultimate rankings we got the, the rankings came out on tuesday night and the final rankings are coming out on sunday we're gonna talk some college football rankings also going to talk some other scenarios in the playoff. We're going to get we're going to talk about four or five scenarios this weekend in the championship games. What if Bama loses? What if Georgia loses a tight one? What if Clemson loses? What if you know everybody holds serve? Who who goes? All that good stuff. What about UCF? Disastrous injury for Mackenzie Milton for UCF. Just a terrible injury uh, against USF last Friday uh, down here in Tampa with USF uh, falling to UCF to remain. UCF to remain perfect. So we'll talk about UCF. We'll also talk, we're going to also do a little breakdown of each of the three big championship games this week. There's been some coaching coaching uh, news this week, a lot of coaching news, some surprises and some kind of not so surprising moves that have been made throughout the country in college football. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to get into the NFL. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to give you a couple uh, of our thoughts and opinions about the games last week. And we're going to talk about some Teams on the rise. We're going to talk about Reuben Foster. We're going to talk about the AFC NFC playoff pictures, and then we're going to give you some game picks at the end of the uh, show, both college and pro game picks for the week. So, 
again, want to appreciate everybody joining us. And uh, let's get after it, Mike. All right, Mike, let's go. So let's talk college football rankings. So let's let's go. We're gonna go one through ten here real quick, and uh, not much has changed, obviously. But yeah, you, you did have a couple one one little bit of movement. The one team that moved up big was Ohio State. They throttled Michigan last week up in Columbus. Your thoughts? Wow, that was a uh, that was disastrous for Michigan. I mean, they had everything set up for them, and and once again, uh, Ohio State spoils it. And and that was huge for Ohio State. I mean, to uh, jump from ten to six, um, jumping over you know, Michigan, obviously after they beat them, and and UCF and 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 those teams, it really put them in a good position. And I, even though they're behind Oklahoma. Um, you know, uh, obviously they, they still, if they can win the, uh, win the game this week, they're in, they, they could have a, I think they do have a good shot of making it. Uh, the only thing I think that would hurt them would be, uh, you know, Oklahoma winning as well and Oklahoma playing a little bit tougher opponent. So but I think that, that a, I think that, you know, I don't think anybody was super, I mean, not people were surprised Ohio state won, but it's the way they won in, in, in such emphatic fashion. I mean, they just, I mean, they the offense for Ohio State went up and down the field all day against the Michigan defense, who was, you know, top five in the country basically in every defensive category. And it was just, it was really, it was surprising. I mean, a lot of people, I thought Michigan was a five point favorite on the road. I thought that was way too much. I was shocked that the spread was that high. But just again, the, the margin of victory and just the way they, the ease at which Ohio State moved the ball really surprised me. Well, I think also the Ohio State defense was so much better than that than it had been. I mean, even the week before against Maryland, they looked they looked downright awful. I mean, and, and they had no business winning that game if it's not for a quarterback that can't throw an accurate you know pass five yards away. They lose that game. Maryland wins, and and so they go from from almost losing that game, getting destroyed by Purdue to uh, yeah, like you said. Offense had no problems. The defense looked looked better. Michigan just really just they they just looked like they just were not ready for the game. They were. Just, I think the I think the question you got to ask with Harbaugh is two things. One, you know, his offense is very much of an I formation pro style offense. He is not very much you know converted to the spread college type of offense. And you know all these other teams, Maryland, all these teams that given Ohio State problems have been running a true spread where. Michigan's a very, I don't say predictable offense, but it's a very much easier to defend offense when you're when you're dealing with an I formation, two tight ends kind of situation where, you know, when you, when you spread the field out and you have athletes all over the place, it's much more difficult to defend and much more uh, likely that you're going to score more points. And the question is, is is, is Harbaugh willing to to go to a spread offense, or is he is he stuck in his ways of of it being more of a plotting, you know, NFL style pro style offense? Well, if if he's if he's um, you know hesitant to do so, all he has to do is look south and look what Coach Saban's done down in Alabama. He was very st- stuck in his ways too, as far as bringing an offensive coordinator that was going to call the pro style offense. And you know, once you got once he realized, look, I got the players, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, I can't do that anymore. And now they've moved to to more of a spread offense, and look what it's doing for them. So. And as and as great and as great as as great as you want to take the the philosophy of we want to be great defensively in this day and age of college football, if you can't score 30, 30 points a week minimum, it's going to be tough to win a national championship. I mean, there's just so many good athletes right. and offenses 
to hold the team under 24 points. Even the Alabamas of the world, when they're playing elite competition, the ability to hold teams under 24 to 28 points is very, very difficult. It is. It is. It's just there's defenses. So many, are, so many possessions in a game in college as opposed to the pros. Right. And not only that, defenses are, are really, and this goes for the pros too, they're just handcuffed now. With all the rules that, that defenses have to fight against, the offenses just get free reign up and down the field. I mean, we've seen it, you know, the targeting, the, uh, the defensive holding, the, you know, in the pros you have the illegal contact. All these little fouls and, and penalties on the defense have really restricted what defenses can do. And, and, so the, and then when you spread these guys out, it makes it even more difficult. And you're exactly right. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to win nowadays without, without an offense that can score. And Alabama showed that last year. If you looked at the game against Auburn, they had trouble scoring and they lost that game and, and they had trouble scoring against Georgia. They bring in the quarterback, they open their offense up and look what happened. So, and look what's happened this year with them. And I think they're just a model of a, of a team that was kind of stuck in their ways, but had to adapt and had to change. Yeah. I think, I think college defenses nowadays are much more uh, striving to be opportunistic on defense than being a lockdown shutdown defense. I mean, you know, it's whole, it's it's holding teams to field goals in the red zone as opposed to touchdowns. It's right. You know, making that one turnover a game or that one one or two possessions where you hold them on fourth down as opposed to thinking, hey, we're going to shut teams out or we're going to keep teams under fourteen points. That's just not happen. That's just not going to happen in the in the college game with these elite with these elite offenses. No, no, it's not. All right, so let's go to some playoff scenarios this week. We're going to talk about some scenarios here. And just a quick thought of of uh, what happened. Let's, first of all, let's give the, let's give everybody a, just a quick rundown of the top ten. So we got Bama one, we got Clemson two, Notre Dame three, Georgia moved up to four this week with the loss by Michigan. We got five, we got Oklahoma, six Ohio State, seven's Michigan, eight Central Florida, nine is Florida, and ten is LSU. So. You know, obviously, I don't think there's any chance that nine or ten's in the mix at all under any circumstance, Florida and LSU. So we're going to throw them out. The questions are going to become, you know, between four, five, six, seven, and eight. What happens if certain things happen? Who moves up? Who do, who moves down? Who gets bumped? Whatever. So we're going to give you a couple scenarios here. All right, scenario one: Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game by ten points or less. What happens, Mike? Alabama. Uh, they're, they're, I think they're the number four team. I, I just, I, I've said, we've said this, we've talked for, about this for the last few weeks. I just don't see if they lose, I mean, I, if they lose by 10 points or left, less after what the committee has set the precedent on two years ago with Ohio State and last year with Alabama, they're taking the four best teams, not the most deserving necessarily. And when you take out the word deserving, you're taking out conference champions and things like that. And if Georgia and Alabama have this epic duel down in Atlanta, you're not going, you can't tell me that Alabama doesn't deserve or even isn't one of the four best teams after what they've shown so far. They're the only team in the since Yale in 1888 to outscore all their opponents by 20 plus points in their, in a season that, I mean, that's unheard. It's obviously unheard of. None of us were alive. The only other time it happened. So I just still think Bama stays in the in the hunt, and then it just depends on what happens with Oklahoma, Ohio State, 
uh, in their conference championship game. All right. Next next scenario. What if Alabama loses 38-21? Let's say they get beat by 17 points. Let's, you know. If they, if they just don't show up, I mean, which is just it's so or hard. Just, to, or or just get man, or just get manhandled. Georgia just, plays great, and Alabama plays average. I think I think then you might be able to make more of an argument, but it's also then going to depend what happens with Oklahoma and Ohio State. I think I agree with that. Decide. I, I don't. I don't think that just you know them playing bad and but if Oklahoma and Ohio State lose, let's then, assume Oklahoma, let's assume Oklahoma wins and Bama loses by seventeen points. I think you got to put Oklahoma in. I think I'm that with, they will. I, I agree. I, I think Bama bet that game better be 10 points or, you know, 10 to 13 points at, at, at worst for Alabama. I think if you get over 14 points, you're going to have a lot of people on that committee that are going to want to boot Alabama out of there. Which and, just, I, and, I, and I can't, I couldn't blame them if they did. No, no you can't. But just, just a, a little fact here Nick Saban has never lost a game in Alabama about more than. 14 points ever. I get it. I so, get it. I so, I get mean, it. so the chances of that happening are, are, you know, obvious. And, and the fact that he's never lost to a former assistant either, but uh, All right. yeah. All right. <laughs> next one. Not likely, Georgia, but yes. All right. Georgia loses a close game in Oklahoma and Ohio, Oklahoma and or Ohio state both win. What happens then? Georgia uh, loses a classic 27, 24, 35, 38, 35 kind of game. I still what happens to Georgia? I, I still think if, if Oklahoma or Ohio State, either or win, one of them are going to go because especially Oklahoma, they're going to have a win over Texas. They're going to have a win over West Virginia. Their offense is is just unreal right now. Their defense is is more opportunistic than good because they're, they can't stop anybody. But I, I just I don't see a two-loss Georgia team even in a in a great game, I just I don't see it happening. But even though even though you you know you just said you want the four best teams, is true. a two loss Georgia better than a one loss Ohio State or Oklahoma? Well, and then and and I know the committee says they don't look at this, but then you're setting up for Georgia Alabama because if if Georgia loses, they'll be the four. They're going to be the four. Bama's going to be the one. So then they're going to play turn around and play right again. Uh, you know, right away again. I don't see that happening, but. You know, I, I just I think a two-loss team makes it more difficult. The thing with Ohio State and the thing with at Alabama the last two years is they both were one-loss teams. Georgia being a two-loss team, and and their loss was a pretty bad loss, even though it was on the road against a good LSU team. It was still not a great loss. I mean, they got they got pretty manhandled in that game. So, um, and whereas Oklahoma lost very a close game to Texas. Now, obviously, Ohio State you can make the same argument against about Georgia. But uh, Oklahoma wins. I think Oklahoma goes. All right. All right. right, Next one. Clemson, 27-point favorite against Pitt in the ACC title game. What if Clemson loses at the gun? Late field goal, late touchdown by Pitt. Clemson gets upset. Is is Clemson out? No. I I think they're out. I think if if a four-touchdown favorite loses, I don't give a damn who they lose to, you cannot lose that game to Pittsburgh and and be rewarded in the playoff. You're in my opinion, they're out. Yeah, uh, well, and and especially if Oklahoma, Ohio State, those teams win like like they're expected yeah. to. Yes, no, I agree with that. Then yes, they could be out for sure. But uh, especially especially with that conference, their schedule. I know Alabama's taken flack for their schedule, but besides a road game against A and M, uh, Clemson, and and maybe Syracuse and Boston College, which have not turned out to be great wins. 
they have they have not played anybody this year, and the ACC has been so weak this year. So I mean, would you would you take a would you take a two loss Georgia who loses a a heartbreaker to Alabama over a one loss Clemson? I would. Uh, I would because they're both non They both did not win their conference, and especially considering who Georgia lost to LSU and Alabama, as opposed to Pitt, who just got manhandled by Miami. <laughs> Right. I mean, yep. yeah, I'm with you. Clemson has no room for error, in my opinion. No. I, I've heard some people talk about, well, if Clemson loses a close one to Pitt, they no. get upset. They can still, I, there's no way in the world that you can reward a team that's a four touchdown favorite uh, by losing. You can say they're still in playoff hunt. I, I, I can't, I could not, that would be a disaster for the, for the committee. Uh, and because their schedule, like I said, they, they have one non-conference win. It was a good win at Texas A&M, but other than that, you know, with Florida State being down, Louisville being down, and the yeah. traditional powerhouses of the ACC, NC State was supposed to be pretty good, and then they just have I mean, their best their best win, and it's a good win, is at Texas A and M, which I, that's a good win um, early in the season. Tough, tough place to win, and all, but you, you got to give them credit for that. But um, you you can't when you're a four touchdown favorite, you can't you can't lose and be expected to and to be expected to be rewarded. Correct. All right, here we go. Here's here's probably the most likely scenario. Bama wins, Oklahoma wins, Ohio State wins. Now who you got for the four spot? I you know, it I think it depends on how what what the what the conference championship games look like. Say Oklahoma comes out and blows Texas out and Ohio State blows Northwestern out. I just think I I I think Oklahoma's defense is so bad, but their offense is so good, and their wins uh, and losses are better than what Ohio State would have. I, I agree. If I, mean, he, I, State, I will say Oklahoma's not a great defensive team, but, again, one thing they did last week, they went to Morgantown and beat West Virginia, who's a pretty darn good team. And their, their defense place, won it for them. And their defense scored two defensive touchdowns. In, in a three-point game. Exactly, where you can't yeah. say that about really Ohio State's really done that. I mean – I know Oklahoma's Oklahoma's given up a lot of plays and a lot of a lot of touchdowns on defense, but their defense did show the ability to score twice on defense on the road. Tough environment, great quarterback, Will Big Greer. Yeah. You know that's a, that, that 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 game was going back and I watched a good bit of that game. And that was back and forth game, but the Oklahoma defense scored twice. You got to give them a little credit for that. I agree, and like you like you said that. You you look at the losses. I think I think that that loss at Purdue is just a killer for Ohio State. It just showed their weaknesses. I mean, good teams don't lose on the road like that. I know it was an emotional not by thirty. Game. Not by thirty. No, you can no, lose, I mean, you can lose on the road to Purdue, but you can't lose by thirty. No, you can't get blown out, and that's what happened. And and not only that, if Oklahoma comes back and blows Texas out, they're avenging their only loss, which is a top twenty loss at this point. Right. Whereas Texas, Ohio State yeah. is not. So I think Texas is like 11 or 12th in the rankings. I mean, Texas is a good team. Yeah, yeah they're top 15 team. Uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, and no, there's, there's no guarantee. No, and, and I don't, and I don't think there's any guarantee Texas doesn't Oklahoma beats Texas this time. Texas, no. Texas, they, they know how to play Oklahoma. They played them yep. well both years. You know, they beat them this year on the neutral field. They're going to play on a neutral field again in Dallas, which is probably going to be way more of a Texas crowd, I would think. But you never know. But um, I mean, both games are in Dallas. The first game of the year is at the at the you know the Red River rivalries in Dallas too. So right, but out, I mean, outdoors, not indoors. Right, correct. So I, to me, Texas is in the game for sure. 
Yeah, and that's why I think if Oklahoma comes and blows them out, I think it says so much more than what if Ohio State blows out Northwestern. I agree. I agree. I think it's a much better win. And then, like you said, the loss is just not even comparable. So I will say the the one thing Ohio State has the advantage of is they're playing the last game of the night. You know, if Oklahoma wins early in the day, Bama wins or Georgia wins, you can be assured Ohio State's going to try to score as many as they can score Saturday night. Yeah. No, like, they have to they have to make an absolute statement for the guy for the committee as they're going to sleep. And they did that last year. If you remember, they did that last year. If I'm in that what or was it three a couple years, years ago? A couple years ago when they beat Wisconsin so bad. Yeah. It, yeah, I can't, yeah, it was three years ago. They beat Wisconsin really bad and, and made a statement. And that's really what got them into the playoff. And I believe that was the one they won, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, they beat Alabama in the first round and then beat uh, Oregon in the in the championship game. So in the inaugural playoff. So it's going to uh, be really it, it, it's going to be really interesting if Oklahoma squeaks by Texas and Ohio State wins big against Northwestern, what the committee yeah. does. That's going to be the that's going to be kind of the doomsday scenario is you take a close. I mean, t- Oklahoma's won so many close games. Or do you take Ohio State, who's just in the last two weeks have just been on fire, potentially, blowing out Michigan, blowing out Northwestern? Do you take the team that's hot, or do you take the team that's just kept winning those tight tight games? Yeah, it's going to be a tough call. I mean, I think think the committee's hoping for chalk for the first three and either Oklahoma or Ohio State, one one of them to win and just make it, call it a day. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a, the the odds of that happening just historically have been have been low though. Yes, There's typically yeah. always been an upset or two on these championship games, which has kind of made that decision for the four spot yeah. up in the air. So it's going to be awesome to see how how I hope so for the for the sake of the playoff and the drama of the committee and all that for Sunday's drama. I hope there's some drama and there's some you know some sweating by the committee member because because a lot of people want the playoff to expand to six or eight teams and this might be the trigger to do it if. If all of a sudden, you know, we have chaos on Saturday night and Saturday during the day, this might be the trigger to, to get six or eight teams in the playoff moving forward. Yeah, well, we know it's locked in until 2024, <laughs> for sure. I wouldn't you, be shocked if that could be changed before that. It's going to be tough because they're in a contract with ESPN. But I got well, a question for you on the rankings. Is there any way Notre Dame does not finish at number three? Uh, I don't think they're going to drop. They might move up. I think they're locked into that two, three spot. I don't think yeah. they're dropping to four. I, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a scenario that would drop them to four. And I, the only thing I, I could think, the only thing I, I could see would be uh, Clemson wins, Georgia wins a close game, epic game, but and Alabama loses. I could possibly see Alabama as the three, and, nope. and depending on what else happens, possibly because Notre Dame does not have a conference championship either. But uh, yeah, I think they're pretty much locked in at that two or the three. I, I agree. I, I don't think I don't think Notre Dame's done anything to, to you know, they they've won all their games convincingly. You know, they've you know they've they've done what they they've been asked to do. If they get penalized, that would be a mistake in my opinion. No, I agree. I just was wondering. A lot of people have wondered, you know, what if could they drop? But I don't think they could drop. Uh, and I don't. I think the only chance they had to move up is if Clemson loses. All right. The last thing we're gonna talk about is there any scenario? Where first of all, let's talk about Central Florida, the tragic injury to Mackenzie Milton. Oof. I think that I think that that in itself, more than anything else, is going to kill UCF's chances of being strongly considered for the four spot if there were to be mayhem Saturday in all these championship games. But 
Is there any scenario you see that UCF at seven could, or at eight, eight. could jump all the way to four? No. First, and first of all, they got to win their own championship game. They got a tough Memphis team yep. who they only beat by one point to deal with. With a, now they got a backup quarterback for Central Florida. So, right. yeah, yeah. Even if they win that game, I still don't see it. Remember, if you remember a few years ago that that first one where Ohio State uh, lost um, JT Barrett and. And then uh, that was the year that uh, uh, Cardell Jones came in. Remember, they kind of got penalized in the seedings because they didn't have, you know, they the, right. the committee didn't think that that they were at full strength and they were looking at the, you know, the team that they were going to get. And obviously they came out, you know, he ended up winning the national championship. But I think that even if they survived that, I mean, I, I can't imagine where, you know, even Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, even if all three of those teams lose, I don't see – we just argued how good Georgia would be. Could you really put UCF in over a Georgia whose two losses are to LSU and Alabama? Well, the, tri- the tricky thing is would they reward – if Michigan's rated in front of UCF, if let's say all the disastrous things that could happen happen, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State all lost, would, would Michigan yeah. vaunt from seven back to four by not even playing? No, not not over Georgia. I mean, not not – uh, if Georgia I mean, got beat by three touchdowns, I don't think they're putting Georgia in under any scenario. Well, no, yeah, I'm saying not if it's a close game, no. But if if Georgia gets blown out, Oklahoma loses, Ohio, Ohio State, State loses, uh, you possibly. But how are you going to put Michigan in over Ohio State when they have the same number of losses and Ohio State blew them out? I mean, yeah, but you you can't get you again back to the Ohio State argument. Ohio State to two touch uh, a. Dominant favorite, two touchdown favorite over Northwest. You cannot lose that game if you're Ohio State and be rewarded. No, and but I, once again, I don't think that they would reward either one of them. I think that's right, they would. and that might that might be the one scenario where UCF could jump from eight to four is if all four, five, and six all lost and get blown and, out. And UCF won convincingly against Memphis. That might be the one scenario where you could have, you know, yeah, o- Oklahoma would have to lose by probably at least ten points or more. Ohio State would have to lose just period because of who they're playing, and Georgia would have to get, you know, beat by twenty or more probably right. before right. that would happen. But hey, anything can happen. So, well, the good news is the tragic news is obviously Mackenzie Milton had the emergency surgery. Sounds like the surgery went okay, but I got a feeling, I got a feeling he's not going to play football at least for a year. I think he's going to probably have to redshirt next year if he's even able to continue his football career. That's not even been determined yet, but. Hopefully the kid's okay and at least gets to play one more year. And it may not – again, I don't think it'll be next year, to be honest with you, because they've not even yeah. done his surgery yet because he had to have – he was having blood flow issues and they had to do some emergency surgery to get that squared away. <laughs> they've not even fixed, fixed his knee yet. And he had a – you know, people remember Willis McGahee-type injury where his knee and his leg just – I mean, just gruesome awful. injury. They didn't even show the replays. It was that bad. Yeah. And, I mean, and uh, you know – uh, one one injury you could with the nerve damage and the blood flow, Jalen Smith from right. Notre Dame. Notre Dame, right. It took him a full year to come back. Now, obviously, he's back. He's playing at a high level for the Cowboys. but Really? Really, it took him almost two years, really. Well, from the time that the injury happened, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah about, so. about, 18, about 18 to 19 months before he was back on the field. So, yeah. Yep. So hope, again, hopefully UCF can can hold it together and win and and, and uh, get it done. And at least at at worst, being a you know be be one of the Power Six bowl games on New Year's Day. So 
Um, all right, so let's do a, we're going to do a quick little keys to victory in each of these big, the three big championship games. So just make this quick. We'll do a quick little just snid, tidbit about each team. You know, again, keys to victory in your opinion, my opinion. First off, let's go Big 12, Oklahoma-Texas rematch. Last, Texas won 48-45, game-winning field goal at the gun by the Texas freshman kicker last time in the, in the Cotton Bowl. What do you think happens in Jerry World? I think it's hard to beat a team twice in one year, and I just don't I don't think that uh, Texas is going to be able to to run with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's offense is kind of hitting on a different level than they were earlier in the year. Uh, now their defense is still just as bad as it was. Texas does have the advantage that they do play them on a yearly basis. They have played them earlier. They do know them well. But Kyler Murray's playing out of his mind right now, and uh, – it's going to be tough for Texas. I think the, I think the key to that game is that they're just going to have to score. They're just going to have to keep up with them. Yeah, um, I, I think the key to the game for me for Texas, they got to be able to run the ball to, to slow the game down a little yeah. bit. Then yeah. I don't think Texas wants to be getting into another 48-45 game with Oklahoma at this stage. Yeah. I think Texas is going to try to slow the pace down. You know, their quarterback Ellinger has been a little nicked up with a shoulder injury the last couple weeks. I think if Texas can run the ball, they can stay in the game for sure. Yeah, they're gonna have to. I mean, when you have a guy like Kyle, Kyler Murray on the sideline, on the on the other side of the ball, you've got to you've got to have ball control and keep him off the field because if he's on the field, he Oklahoma is is throwing the ball all over the place. Yeah, they're, they're gonna. They got a good up. and they've got a good and they got a good running attack too. Oklahoma, they've got two good running backs and they're not afraid to run. And they got a very good offensive line, not afraid to run the ball. All right. We're gonna do we're gonna do game predictions at the end of the show, so don't 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 tell me who you like. Just give me a couple quick keys in the game. Big Ten, Indianapolis, Ohio State, Northwestern. You got the David and Goliath here. Pat Fitzgerald brings in the Wildcats. They got four losses. You know they they they're the they're the you know huge underdogs. But people we got to remember early in the season they had Michigan down seventeen nothing. You know, they're, they're this type of team that's going to, again, I think they're going to try to slow the pace down, make it a ball control kind of game, limit possessions, keys to victory for Northwestern and Ohio State, Mike. Uh, Northwestern, same thing, run the ball. They've got to run it. They've got to they've got to keep Haskins off the field. Ohio State, um, and they want the ball in Haskins' hands. And, and they're, they're – uh, Northwestern, just – their defense is just going to have to play uh, – uh, you know, game of the century type effort in order in order to survive in this one. But I definitely think that I definitely think ball control again. I think anytime you're going up against an offense that can run and pass up and down the field like you know, Ohio State or Oklahoma can can do, you have you have to you have to have the ball in your hand and keep keep their offense on the sideline. That's your only really you can't get in a shootout with a team like this. Not not I think, without not without the weapons they have. I think a key to the game too is can a can, Will Ohio State be able to get up emotionally after the emotional game last week against Michigan? Again, we're dealing with college kids. It's yeah. hard for these guys to get up emotionally every single week, and they had a humongous, you know, obviously that humongous victory last week against Michigan. Nobody thought they could beat them. Emotionally, can Ohio State get back to the level of play that they had last week, or is it going to take them two, two quarters, two and a half quarters, to kind of get in the game where all of a sudden, middle of the third quarter, Northwestern's up 27-20 or or 21-14 kind of game. I think that's going to be a key to the game is can 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 Urban get the Buckeyes humming on humming emotionally from the get-go with as much as on the line. 
Yeah, and not, and not to mention, uh, I think Northwestern, in a game like this, they have nothing to lose. Be very aggressive. You know, trick, fourth, trick plays, trick, trick plays. plays. Go, go for it on fourth and two, anything like right. that. You know, make put the pressure on Ohio State. Because and that guy and, and Pat Fitzgerald, he is a tremendous coach. Yes. That guy gets yep. more out of his talent than most than any, virtually anybody in the country. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't. I, I bet if you looked at their roster, they don't have a five star player on their team, and they probably have very few four star players. Yeah, they, I, I'm. You know, just looking at their at the statistics, there <laughs> you can tell that they don't have many. They don't have met much talent, but somehow or another, they're eight and yep. four, and here in the big. Big Ten Championship game. So, All right, here we go. The showdown of the day, in my opinion. We got in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the Dogs from Georgia and the Tide from Tuscaloosa in the, in the, in the uh, Nick, Nicky Saban, Nick Saban Bowl, baby. What do you uh, – obviously, we know the obvious. Tua, tremendous, probably going to win the Heisman Trophy offensively. You know, to me, the Georgia running attack is going to be a huge key in this game. Can they establish the run against that Alabama front seven? If they can, I think they got a great chance to win the game. And the other key to this game, in my opinion, which it it was a dirt, it was a uh, bugaboo for Alabama last week, is special teams. Yeah. Punt, and a punt block for a touchdown. The field goal kicking's been dubious for for Alabama, whereas in Georgia, they got a great kicker. They got a pretty good punter. You know, I think the kickoff return game kind of stuff is going to be key. I think those are the two big keys of the game, are special teams and the, the ability for Georgia to establish the running game. Uh, I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, the pump block came in the first half, and Alabama seemed to kind of sleepwalk through that first half. And so that's my big key to the game is whoever, if Alabama get gets off to a fast start like they were earlier in the year, as opposed to what they have the last two games, that's a big key because if they if they get off to a slow start like they did against Auburn and the Citadel, they will not be leading at the half. I can tell you that. Not Fromm, against Georgia. Fromm but, can throw the Fromm's been playing excellent football the last since that LSU game. He, he has. has been playing very, very well. He's been throwing the ball fantastic. Receivers are making plays. And again, that running game of Swift and Holyfield have been electric and the offensive line's playing great. Yeah. And so I agree with you about the running game. And I, I just think that that first half and and which Alabama do we get? Do we get the first half of the season where they were coming out and up 28 nothing like they were against Tennessee? Or are we getting the 17-14 like they were against Auburn? That, to me, is going to be the big difference in the game because that kind of that, – that team is based upon playing with that lead. Once they get that lead, they turn that defense loose, they suffocate you, and they make you play from behind. And it's very difficult to do so because you're already – down by two or three scores, and so I think that I think the first half is going to be key, especially the first quarter for Alabama. That could that could really go a long way in deciding this game. And I think schemes gonna I think schemes gonna be a big part of this game too. I I, I got a feeling both teams are probably have probably has a defensive blitz or two that you've not seen all year, or an offensively a formation or a you know tendency that you haven't seen all year. So I think coaching wise, who's going to be able to make the in game adjustments formationally or just just with personnel groupings to, to, to show something they haven't shown all year. Because, again, these guys know each other inside and out, coaching for each other and with each other for all these years. Who can make the in-game adjustment? <clears throat> Athletically, they're pretty similar. I mean, they're, Alabama probably has more athletes, but Georgia's right there. 
Yeah, and the other thing I think that could be, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this week, we might see a lot more of Justin Fields. Um, I don't think so. I don't I, think Kirby's going to do that. See, I, I, I think that if, if Fromm struggles again, like he did against LSU, like he did in the second half, and, and even for most of the game in the national championship game, I don't think – I think we're going to see some packages of, with Justin Fields because Bama has so much trouble stopping the running quarterback. They always have. And Yeah, but F- Fields can't throw the ball. No, he Fields, can't. Not yet. Not yet. And, and, and Kirk, Kirby's not going to – if Kirby goes down, he's going down with his best player. I mean, I'm not saying Fields won't play in a, in a, in a goal line, you know, wildcat kind of situation, but I don't think you're going to see Fields for any kind of extended period of time because he just can't throw the ball. And Saban just devours young quarterbacks that can't throw the ball. That's true. And, and, I mean, I, I I just think that I think that that would would definitely bring a wrinkle to something to the game that that Bama possibly hasn't seen or is not ready for. But um, I think it also depends on game script. I think it depends on how the game is going too. Sure, yeah. sure. No, I agree. All right. So all right. So we've talked about we'll give you some tidbits there. Uh, we, again, we're going to give you the game predictions at the end of the uh, at the end of the episode here in just a minute, uh, a few minutes. We're going to give all the our predictions. All right, let's talk about some coaching moves. There's been some pretty interesting coaching moves in the college world this week, and we're just going to go down the list. Quick comment about each one. You got Cliff Kingsbury out at Texas Tech. A lot of speculation about him possibly going to the NFL as an OC. Um, I've heard some rumors that Mike Leach might be back in the mix to return to Texas Tech after his ouster a few years back with we got a new administration at Texas Tech. I think a lot of people were frustrated to see Leach go the first time. You know, he had some allegations that he, you know, he had some, you know, uh, treatment of players issues and all that stuff. But a lot of people didn't think that Mike Leach should have been run out of there. And a lot of people think that Leach has done as much as he can do at Washington State. They lost to Washington last week. And it would not shock me if Mike Leach is back in Lubbock. I, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising. I, I was kind of surprised that Kingsbury, I know he's struggled the last couple of years, but this is a guy that, um, you know, two years ago he has he has Patrick Mahomes and, and an offense that's, you know, <laughs> pretty legit. So offensively, right. great. You know, how, how good is the recruiting? Uh, because the players have not been coming out as often as they as they have in the past. So, sure. um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leach there either. All right, today, this just happened today, Paul Johnson retiring from Georgia Tech. Kind of a little bit of – that kind of was off the radar. I hadn't heard anything about that possibly coming. I guess the question is at Georgia Tech, are you going to hire somebody that's, in, somebody that's in, in the same mode as an option kind of t- uh, coach, or are you going to maybe try to change the dynamics of the program and try to go to more of a spread offense? You know, Georgia Tech's a tough place to recruit those kind of athletes to do that, but you wonder what the philosophy is going to be moving forward at Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's going to be tough because you're you're in a conference with Clemson. You're um, you're in the same state as the University of Georgia, and obviously that's your rival. So it's going to be tough. You know that option that option only works when you can control the ball with defense and 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 control the game. If you can't control the game, you can't play from behind with it. It just doesn't work. So right. Um. It and and with these spread offenses, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, if you don't have the defense. Uh, or if you don't have the offense to keep up, then what you have defensively really doesn't matter because you have to keep up with these teams. So it'll be I, think the, to I think the biggest factor there, it's just so hard to recruit the kind of athlete to Georgia Tech because of the academic rigors and all that stuff. I think that's the thing that's 
you know, you're not going to be able to be a dominant team on the offense or defense because you're not going to be able to recruit as many of those kind of players. You know, the Stanford's of the world, they've done a good job Northwestern, but again, they're doing that more on coaching and player development than they are strict athletes. Yeah. Calvin Johnson's not walking through that door. Not many of them. They might get one of them, but they're not getting 10 of them like, <laughs> like Saban does and Kirby Smart and all these guys. Yeah, it's hard to recruit there, and it, right, especially, like you said, with the uh, um, academic uh, standards they have. All right, Bobby Petrino out at Louisville today. It was announced that Jeff Brom has uh, decided to stay at Purdue, so that's interesting. A lot of people thought he was going to be the natural fit to go back to Louisville where he played and he coached. Where does Louisville go from here? I think one name to look out for there is Bill Clark at UAB. He's, he's rebuilt that program in Birmingham. You know, Louisville would be a big jump in the ACC. It's a mid-level. It's a winnable. It's a winnable. Uh, you know, it's a job that you can win, and you can probably win pretty big at Louisville in that conference. You know, you can win eight, nine, ten games. You know, if you recruit, build, do it the right way at Louisville. What do you think about the Louisville job? I think that, you know, you mentioned that earlier. I think that's a great, I think that's a great name. And, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Will, would Bill Clark be willing to leave? Um, you know, he, he stayed, he stayed on when he had a chance to leave when they shut the program down. But um, I, I agree. I think it's a good job. You know, you saw even in basketball, you saw Chris Mack leave Xavier for, for Louisville. And, and, you know, he got a big win last night, obviously, but, um, in football, it is. It's a pretty good job. I mean, in-state recruiting, you're only really dealing with Kentucky. And and in football, that's not a very difficult thing. In-conference recruiting, you're really only fighting, you know, Clemson, uh, you know, in that area. So right. I, I think it's I think it's a um, I think it's a, a definitely a, a, a good job to get, um, you know, for a guy like Bill Clark. And I think that he could I think he'd be successful there. And I think another thing too is they're gonna Louisville's gonna hire a clean cut coach without any baggage. You know they've yes. hired, they had they had Petrino, they had Patino, they've had some you know questionable situations the last five, six, seven years coaching wise. I think yeah. they're gonna try to really hire a clean cut. You know Chris Mack was that in basketball. I think they're gonna really try to hire. And Clark has done nothing but been a great advocate for football at Birmingham. He's built that program from from the from the ground up. Louisville's struggling recruiting-wise. Petrino's apparently left them in a dumpster fire. So I, I think Bill Clark will be a great hire for Louisville. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. USC decided to keep uh, Clay Helton another year after a five and seven year. They played pretty well against Notre Dame last week. Uh, they're keeping Clay Helton. Lynn Swan, the AD, came out and said they're keeping him. You know, obviously one thing they've done today, they, they've really overhauled the offensive staff. T. Martin got fired. A bunch of the assistants got fired. So I think that was probably the that was probably the only way he was going to stay is if, if major changes were made on the offensive staff. So Clay Helton gets another year at USC. I was surprised by this, but I think that Helton's, um, you know, he, he's he's that type of coach that's kind of like an Ed Orgeron. You know, he he he's not he's not something he's not flashy, but he he. He's a tough-minded, tough-nosed kind of guy, and excellent uh, recruiter. Excellent, excellent recruiter. Excellent recruiter, but you got to start turning those recruits into wins, especially when you're at a program like USC. Right. One little tidbit: Clay Helton's brother, Tyson Helton, who is who is the who, who has some ties to me at UAB. I knew Tyson a little bit when he was at UAB as the quarterbacks coach. 
He was the OC at Tennessee. He just got named the head coach at Western Kentucky. So congratulations to Tyson Helton for getting his first head coaching job um, at Tennessee or at Western Kentucky, moving from Tennessee. So um, and he that's Clay Helton's brother out in USC. So all right, Matt. The, the probably the biggest surprise that kind of came out of out of nowhere is North Carolina fired Larry Fedora and Mac Brown from the studios of ESPN in Texas fame. And he had a, had a great stint in North Carolina back in the 80s and 90s, has returned to Chapel Hill to take the reins in Chapel Hill of the Tar Heels. Yeah, remember, uh, he he was that's, – that job in North Carolina, his first go-around, that's what got him the Texas job, how well he did at North Carolina. And then, obviously, everybody knows what he did at Texas, taking them to a national – to two national championship games and winning one. Um, so – I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it's kind of reminds me similar of what happened with Tom Coughlin going back to Jacksonville in a, and not obviously in a coaching role, but you know, kind of going back to his roots. And uh, I see that. Uh, I, I think that. I think that's a good move. I think that he he could he could probably still recruit depending on what kind of staff he brings in. Um, I mean, obviously a football football man. He knows he knows his stuff. So I think it's a good move. This sounds like a three-year kind of three to four-year coaching deal where he's grooming somebody to be the head coach. Yeah. You know, I've heard I've heard lots of talk about he's bringing Gene Chizik in as the defensive coordinator to kind of groom him to be the head coach when he when you know when either he retires or there's also been talk that Mac Brown might go be the AD in a couple of years. So this sounds like this to me this sounds like he's going to try to rebuild the program the next couple of years and hand it off to a guy like Gene Chizik. Yeah, that'd be something I would I would expect as well. He's not I don't think he's there for the long haul because of his age. So yeah, he's sixty seven. Yeah. So um, you know, I think, you know, Bill Snyder is kind of the old the old, you know, you think about old coaches, you got Bill Snyder at Kansas State, he's been there forever. And um, you know, I just it, it, once you get past seventy, it's probably difficult, you know, unless you're a unless you're a Nick Saban type guy or Bobby Bowden or Joe Paterno kind of guy it's pretty hard to be over 70 and, and, and recruit on a national level and all that stuff. So I, I see this as a, as a three, maybe four year uh, stint for Mac Brown. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. So, all right. So that's, uh, we're going to transition out of the NFL here. We got week 13 coming up in the NFL. We got a lot of, uh, we've had some, you know, dr- good drama and good, a pretty good Thanksgiving day menu of games. Um, the Cowboys answered the call against the Redskins. You got the Saints beating the Falcons. You had Chicago beating your your Detroit Lions in the Silverdome with a backup quarterback and your boy Hot Matt Stafford just continuing to underachieve. And I've mean, I've even heard some talk that he they might consider trading him in the offseason. Eddie Jackson, that's five five defensive touchdowns in the in a year and a half in the league. He I was mean, a great guy, safety at Alabama. He was a ball hawking safety. And, and, he and probably most people, yeah, most people might not know this. He came as a corner, and he did. He struggled mightily as a corner. He was always on in Saban's doghouse, and they they moved him to safety. and And he is he's making a living there. You know, fifth round pick. He's just oh, he's, he he's he's a ball. Uh, hawk. He, yeah, he was going to be a he he would have been a first or second round draft pick, but he broke. If people remember, he broke his leg his senior year. On a Yep. So he broke he broke his leg, so that affected his you know combine stuff and draft status, and that's why he dropped. That's the only reason I think he fell to the fifth round because he was coming off of, of of a you know a severe leg injury. So uh, it's a steal for the Bears. He's a he's a, like you said ball hawk. 
He scored two weeks in a row here on interception returns for touchdowns. And once again, your Detroit Lions practicing outside today in the in the frigid conditions in in Pontiac. Nothing. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, it's it's not going to matter. It's uh, we can go ahead and um, I I love how they still have Detroit in the hunt on these playoff boards. Like, come on, let's get real. Uh, just because you're mathematically in it doesn't mean you're in it. All right. So the big story in the last couple of days. One Reuben Foster, another Alabama product, arrested in Tampa Saturday night before the game, Saturday night before the Sunday game in Tampa, here in a Tampa hotel, allegedly striking his girlfriend, another domestic assault allegation. His second one is he's been with the Niners, been arrested three times in the last year. I sent you a nice, beautiful picture of Mr. Mr. Foster in the Orient Road Jail down here in Tampa with the mugshot Sunday morning. Did you go take that yourself? <laughs> no, that was courtesy of uh, our TM, our friends at TMZ, I'm sure, uh, with the uh, the leaked picture from the from the Orient Road Jail of Mr. Foster's mugshot. But uh, the Niners cut him Sunday morning. The Washington Redskins pick him up on claim him. What are your thoughts? Wow, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> first first of all. First of all, why are you even back? From what I understand, it was the same girl that accused him of all the stuff previously and then recanted. Why are you even around this person? I, I just I don't get these athletes. I don't get the people. These I mean, not just athletes, uh, movie stars, people with money. I just don't get it. Like you have, a, especially athletes, though, where where you know you can lose everything. I mean. You have all the future in the, you know, your future is set up for you. All you have to do is just, it's just behave. And I, you know, he, he, he was never publicly in trouble when he was at Alabama. Um, he, 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 he seemed to always be a, a, a pretty good role model in the community and on campus. I mean, obviously I, I wasn't in school there at the time, but from what I understand, and then he gets to the NFL and he just seems to have lost his mind, you know, and then the Redskins pick him up. Obviously, Redskins are, are basically Alabama Northeast uh, on defense there with uh, five <laughs> Crimson Tiders and four of those playing with Reuben Foster at one point in their careers. So, and, the, and apparently they told, they vouched for the guy, but that, that was, that was shocking my, my, to see. My question is, up. not that it's, it's never, it's never okay to do it by any of this, by the way, but what are you doing bringing her on a road trip in Tampa? Yeah, I mean... I, I don't get, like I said, I don't get it. I just, I don't get, I don't get it. And where, and where is the, where is the, the guys that are checking curfew and the guys that, you know, whoever they have, I know these teams have, you know, they have these security set up outside, you know, they, they try to prevent this. Where were those guys at? So I, I just, I don't know. I, it, it's just a, it's a horrible situation. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a disaster. And I mean, he, he, he I mean, He's going to be suspended by, and the NFL's put him on basically the exempt list, which means he can't play until the investigation investigation is done by the NFL and the in the legal proceedings. You won't see Reuben Foster play this year. The question is going to be is how long will he be suspended going into next year? Um, that's going to, to me, that's going to determine whether the Redskins keep him or cut bait with him. But you know, just the thought of does the talent outweigh the 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 the, the baggage off the field? You know, obviously, if it's me and you, if it's you and I and our job, and we're we're accused of that, we're probably not still working at our company tomorrow. Night, night. night. Bye, bye from my yes, night, night. 
turn in your keys, please. We'll need your keys. Yeah. We're going to turn off the email account immediately, yeah. all that good stuff. But yeah. uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing how, you know, this happens, but Colin Kaepernick can't get a job. You know, you just wonder how, what some of these, these front offices are thinking and how they make these, some of these decisions. But, uh, you know, he's a first-round pick. A lot of people thought he'd be a top-five player in the draft. He would have been a top-five or ten pick in the draft if he wouldn't have had the off-the-field issues with the Niners. They took a chance on him at 32 in the draft. He's obviously blown up in their face, so that's turned into a disaster. But the Redskins now, like you said, maybe the five, maybe the the, the influx of Alabama guys, maybe that that can help them. But very, very, very alarming that the Redskins would 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 submit a waiver claim for him. I was shocked when I saw that come across my phone the other uh, Monday or Tuesday. I was just shocked. I could not. Yeah. I could not believe. I mean, I, I, there was a couple guys at work, and I went up to them. I was like. Did you see this? I mean, like we were stunned. We're all three of us are Alabama fans, but we were we we couldn't believe it. I, I just never dreamed. I thought his career was done. I thought he didn't even no he didn't even clear waivers, which means the Redskins are on the hook for his rookie contract. It, it, if he'd have cleared waivers, he'd have been a true free agent. Which again, it still would not have been a good situation to sign him. But basically, the Redskins are 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 absorbing his rookie contract, so he still has a couple more years and the salaries and all that stuff that go with it. Yeah. He, he lost the bonuses because he was placed on this exempt list. So 1.8 million in bonuses got are are gone, but yeah, I mean, and and what's funny is I read today that that only one team called the Tampa police to find out exactly what happened. And it wasn't the Redskins. It was the Eagles and the Eagles were ahead of the Redskins on the waiver list and they passed. So a lot of, a lot of weird stuff going on. All right, so all the buys are over finally from a you know from a real game and a fantasy perspective. So no more buys. Thank so you. So now we basically we basically have the stretch run. We're we're in the last five weeks of the season. Everybody's playing every week. Again, it's a couple storylines from last week. You had Gronkowski's return from the Patriots. They seem to be playing a little bit better when he when he's in the lineup. They're a different team on offense. I know he's not the same guy that he probably was two years ago, but when that guy's playing, they're a different team. Yeah, they are. I mean, you can do so much more when you have a matchup nightmare in the middle of the field and and allow your receivers to have, you know, get one on one coverage and and your running backs. It opens up lanes for them. I mean, it, it is it's a completely different team and it's somebody that Brady trusts. Yep. And I think you're seeing more and more. Uh, you're seeing Josh Gordon get more and more integrated in the offense. I think he's going to be a bigger, bigger piece of the offense as they move forward. And the other key thing is Sony Michelle back running. Very, very well. Had 130 yards against the Jets Sunday. I think you're going to see the – I think you got the Patriots with a couple big games coming up, Minnesota, Pittsburgh. In the playoffs, I think you're going to see a lot of Sony Michelle come playoff time, and they're going to try to try to slow down some of these high-flying high offenses. Not to mention Rex Burkhead is back as well, and we know that Bill loves loves some Rexy. Sexy uh, Rexy. Sexy Rexy. <laughs> yeah, he loves some Sexy Rexy, and, and um, that just gives them another – another guy that he trusts. You saw that when you had the Kenyon Barners of the world back there yeah, after yeah. Michelle went out, he does not trust that guy at all. He brings in Corderell Patterson, Patterson, Corderell, Corderell. <laughs> and, uh, and so you got Burkhead back there. That's somebody that he trusts. So I think that, that even, even more amplifying your point, they're going to, they're going to be running the ball a lot come December. Yep. All right. So teams on the, some teams out there kind of sliding a little bit. We got to talk about Carolina, Atlanta, and Green Bay. I think Atlanta's done. 
loss on loss on Thanksgiving night. I guess you know you got Carolina t- took a scud last week against Seattle and a big win by Russell Wilson, and then you had Sunday night up in Minnesota. Your boy Aaron, more uh, more him and Mike McCarthyism. Mike McCarthy, another another b- bad performance in Minnesota. Green Bay goes to four six and one, pretty much on the brink of elimination. Uh, they're pretty much done. I don't see. I don't see how that they. Uh, I don't see how there's. I mean, I know they're mathematically alive, and, and you got Aaron Rodgers, but your defense is pathetic. Uh, you got you got Dante Adams and the Exxon Valdez and <laughs> the Equinemiuses and all these guys. You got you got nobody else besides Adams. Jimmy Graham's got a broken thumb. Um, you don't want to commit too much to Aaron Jones because you've committed so much money to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's it's a train wreck up there. I think McCarthy's gone at the end of the year. I, I, there's, I don't see how they retain him. Not with, I mean, if they if they're going to have to choose between Rodgers and McCarthy, and I can go ahead and tell you who they're choosing. Um, and and they just Green Bay just doesn't seem like they have any uh, creativity on offense. They're too very familiar. little, very little motion. Just lots of. Just it's just drop back, run around Aaron, and hit the guy on a scramble play kind of situation. Yeah. You know they don't have much. They don't have very many other than Devontae Adams. They don't have any electrifying players on offense. To me, I'd be running Aaron Jones twenty carries a game minimum. That guy yeah. has played very well when he's been given t- the carries. Yeah, I agree. I think that I, I don't. You know, obviously. I just you saw it on Sunday night. If you watch the game, you could just see like the typical. Okay, these are the moments that we need our quarterback and we need our team to really deliver. Rodgers has nobody to throw to, and he's getting sacked. And that is not like him. He's usually one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league because he always can improvise. But when your offensive line is decimated like it is, and you have no, and your tight ends out, and you only have one receiver to throw to it kind of becomes difficult and and you could see it. They just, it was just drop back and let's just hope for a prayer to be answered. There was no, no creativity. And, and I, I think that's where, that's why I think McCarthy, I think it's going to be a, a fresh start for him. Somebody somewhere else, somebody will pick him up. He's still a pretty good coach, but I think he's just worn his welcome out in, in Green Bay. No, I think, I think, I think Rogers has to take some blame too, because Two weeks ago on fourth and two, he threw a ball on the ground that the guy was wide open for a first down, which if they convert, they could win the game. Yeah, last week they're down. Last week they're down ten. And granted, they weren't gonna they might not have won the game, but he misses a wide open Devontae Adams down ten on about a thirty yard throw that the guy's that he's wide open and Rogers just airmails him late in the game. And so Rogers gotta take some hits too for this. And I agree. Him and McCarthy seem like they're on the verge of a divorce, but Rodgers has got to take some hits here for this too, and it's hard, you know. This year, at least, he hasn't yeah. played. To me, he hasn't played nearly as well this year as he has in past years. And not to defend, just defend him, but it is, you know, he 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 does not trust his offensive line right now with with the injuries that they've had, and I think that I think that it I think that he's he he's probably you know like that throw to Adams. That's a throw he makes usually ten out of ten times. And it looked like he was just trying to get rid of the ball a little too fast and wasn't comfortable in the pocket and just not like Aaron Rodgers. He just does not look the same. And and maybe it is the knee injury. Maybe it still is bothering him. You know, they you know what I think you know what I think it is, Mike. I think uh, it's, I, know what you I think, think it's it I think it's the curse of Olivia Munn and the in the <laughs> He made it. He made a change in his personal life on the off, off the field circuit. 
He went from Mun to, in my opinion, a downgrade in Danica. I think the the uh, the, the 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 free agency move of Mun to Danica might not have been in Aaron's best interest. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I, I, I agree with the I agree with the downgrade um, uh, on the surface at least, but uh, I, I I I I hope that's not what's causing all this. I, I know from uh, I'm just glad I got rid of him when I did. Isn't there a, isn't there a saying the power of the you know what something? Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I heard that before. <laughs> it's not the power of uh, uh, you know. It's not the powers of podcasting. It's the powers of something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I, have, I have heard that. <laughs> All right, let's go to some AFC playoff. All right, we got you got the uh, you got the Kansas City's in the one hole. You got a battle for the two between Houston, Pittsburgh, and New England for the battle for the two, three, and four. The five seed looks to be San Diego unless something drastically changes. I guess the battle is probably for the six seed. The biggest battle is going to be for the sixth seed. You got the Ravens. You got um, I'm trying to think who else is in the who's in the mix here. You got the the Ravens. The you got the Colts, and, and then you really have the Dolphins. You even had the Broncos. The Broncos have the beat. Broncos. Right, that's the other team. With, they beat the two easy good teams coming up. They beat two good teams the last two weeks, and uh, so I mean they get Cincinnati this week with a backup quarterback and a disaster over there. So. They could they could be six and six by the end of the by going into December. So you got you got the Ravens, or it sounds like they're going with Lamar Jackson to start with. With kind of Flacco's going to kind of be the bull, kind of be the be the reliever coming out of the bullpen if he gets in trouble. Sounds like that's the way they're going to go here the next couple of weeks. I think the Colts got the inside track. I think Luck's playing great. I think there's a special vibe going on with Frank Reich and that team. Um, so I, I would favor they had a big comeback against Miami. Winner, winner, chicken dinner on the on the game winner by your boy Vinatieri, um, and a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the Colts got the inside track, and I think that'd be a that'd be some pretty compelling wild card game with luck in the wild card. Yeah, I, I do too, and 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 uh, especially considering they could be playing possibly a New England <laughs> or, or um, Pittsburgh or a Pittsburgh. I think that that would be a, especially New England with that, you know, the history between Indianapolis and New England in the playoffs. Right. I think that'd be really cool. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think Indianapolis definitely has the inside track. They're on the outside looking in now just based on tiebreakers, but uh, Baltimore, you know, they, they got they. I think they were fortunate because of who they played this past week, playing the Raiders, um, and, and you know even their defense really had to bail them out. I, I don't. I just don't think that they have have what it takes. Lamar Jackson just does not look ready as a passer yet. So yeah, yeah. going to be a lot of lot, there's, and there's a lot of great games like inter- interconference games these last four weeks that are going to determine some of this playoff position. You got Pittsburgh and New England coming up. You got Kansas City, San Diego. So you can have some good games that are going to determine positioning and home field advantage. And I think it's important for the Patriots to either be the one or two seed. I don't think the Patriots want any part of having to go on the road twice to win two games on the road where I think, and I I would say the same thing for Kansas city too. I think Kansas city needs to be the one or two, because I don't think that that defense is going to be able to travel on the road and win a game outside of Arrowhead. No, and you know, the only thing that, you know, New England, obviously, they're a different team at home. I mean, they have been historically. It's always been like that. Kansas City, uh, you know, the the thing I worry about with Kansas City, they do have the running game with Kareem Hunt, but 
Um, they really rely on Mahomes a little too much. They, they sh- I mean, obviously they had to in the game against the Rams, but they they rely on them on him a lot. And 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 when it gets cold, when it gets into the playoffs, I mean, you you're gonna have to take the air out of the ball some, and 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 that could come back to bite them. But they they definitely need to be at home. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I, again, I think they can do it because I think that if they'll give Hunt 20 carries a game, they, they've got a pretty decent run blocking offensive line. You're, and I'm with you. Unless unless the weather's just beautiful, when it gets to be January and it's going to be cold, it gets cold as you know what in Kansas City. Yep. It's going to be hard to throw the ball all around the field like that 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 consistently. Whereas I think you're going to see a lot of Kareem Hunt and uh, the Patriots are establishing they can run the ball with Sony Michelle. I think you're going to see Pittsburgh try to get back to the running game a little bit more. So I think the key in the AFC is going to be the teams that can run the ball. San Diego, kind of a lingering big injury. Melvin Gordon potentially. You know, got some knee problems. I think that's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt San Diego or why LA. You, I don't know why, why I'm saying San Diego, but uh, that I, I I do the same thing. Why are you running that guy on a trick play up by twenty something points in the third yeah. quarter? I, I don't get that. I mean, these coaches have got to start thinking with their with their heads. I mean, there's no reason that Melvin Gordon should be on a on a reverse end around up by twenty something points in the third quarter. Up I mean, thirty five, up thirty five, ten. Thirty five, ten. I don't get it. I don't. I just. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, that's just boneheaded, and and could really come back to bite them down the road. Yeah, because Melvin Gordon's a difference maker. I mean, he he is yeah. a, he is a top five or six running back in the league. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get to some picks. Let's, first of all, we're going to do college picks first. Just a quick prediction. I'm going to give you the point spread. You tell me who you like to win the game. I don't. Even, it doesn't even matter with the points. I don't care who. I'm gonna give everybody the, the points though. All right, Conference USA Championship game. Our UAB Blazers, who some say to shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> head up to Murphy's. Head up to Murfreesboro for a rematch. They these two teams played last week. Middle Tennessee won 27-3. We got a rematch. Uh, CUSA title game. UAB Middle Tennessee State. I, I like I'm UAB. Mid, I'm going like, Middle Tennessee. I like UAB here. I think that uh, it's tough to beat a team twice in a row. I think that I, I, I don't know. There's something. I mean, I think UAB was was probably a little is still shell shocked by how they got it manhandled at A and M by A and M after winning nine straight. And maybe this was that was a wake up call they needed. So I'm I'm going UAB for the home for the hometown team. Hometown Blazers. You got your season tickets yet to UAB basketball? Uh, no, I haven't got those yet. They're uh, <laughs> on the way. Plenty of good seats still available? Uh, yes, upper level, lower level, and on the sides. <laughs> at the at the Bar- at Bartow Arena, beloved yes. Bartow Arena. Yes. Yes, okay. All right, AAC Championship, Memphis, Central Florida, games in Orlando. Central Florida, three-point favorites with a backup quarterback. You're quickly. I like Memphis. I like Memphis. In this I, I kind of like Memphis too. Uh, I kind of like Memphis too. I hate to say it, but but I will say the Central Florida defense has been balling out and playing a lot better. Um, they seem to, and they've got a running back, a walk-on running back for Central Florida that's been great the last month. I can see it going to the wire, but I got a feeling Memphis late in the game scores late to beat Central Florida. All right, Big Twelve championship game. Texas getting eight and a half at Oklahoma against Oklahoma in Jerry World. I like Texas here. I know that sounds crazy. 
I think that Oklahoma's offense is off the charts, but somehow or another, I think Texas is going to sting them. Something late, maybe maybe another game like it was before, but not as high scoring. They can keep them under 30. I think Texas can win. I think I think Texas covers the number, but I think Oklahoma ekes one out late, gets revenge, and puts all the puts all the chips in the committee's hands. I think Texas wins late. I mean Oklahoma wins late, but I think Texas covers the number. All right. We're heading to Atlanta. Atlanta Alabama minus 13 and a half against Kirby and the Dogs. Well, I know you're gonna call me a homer for this. <laughs> but I like Alabama and I like them to cover. Really? Okay. I think Alabama wins the game, but I think it goes deep into the fourth quarter. I think Georgia covers the number, but I think Alabama wins late in the fourth quarter in an in a excellent, you know, seven to 10 point kind of game. Well, I, I called, I had Auburn, I had the Auburn game by, uh, plus 31. I nailed the number that I, that I predicted. So I'm, I'm going to stick with this as well. And hopefully my streak can continue. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this only because if Central Florida loses, this this game becomes imperative as far as the, the non-Power 5 conference team to go to the, the New Year's Day Bowl. Fresno State, Boise, out on the blue turf. Boise minus two. Boise, they're hard to beat there. I like Boise. I agree. I'll take Boise in a close one. All right, I'm not even going to talk about the ACC. I think we both got Clemson. Yeah. Um, let's go Northwestern, Ohio State. 14, I, Ohio State minus 14. I, I like Northwestern to cover. I like Ohio State to win. I think Northwestern is playing with nothing to lose. I think you mentioned it earlier about Ohio State and getting off the uh, emotional high. They come out, they're a little sluggish. I think Northwestern even maybe takes a lead in the first half some at some point, but Ohio State comes back in the second half and slugs out a win. I think Ohio State rolls them. I think, I think like you said, I could see this game being close for – a quarter and a half, maybe to halftime. But I think in the end, I think Ohio State runs away and hides. I think they win by three to four touchdowns. And, puts again, puts more pressure on the committee. All right, let's, let's go to the NFL. Quick quick picks. we got Thursday night, great game tomorrow night in Dallas. New Orleans minus seven and a half against them Cowboys. I like Dallas to cover, but I still like New Orleans. They are rolling right now. Their defense is really good. They travel well. And uh, and there's just too many weapons for for New Orleans. I just I think Breeze is having an MVP season right now. I think I think I think this this is going to be an upset special. I like the Cowboys to win the game outright. I think New Orleans is due for a not a bad game, but just a good game, not a great game. I think Dallas is going to win the game outright late. I think Zeke's going to have a good game. I think Dak Dak and Amari Cooper play well. And I think Dallas wins the game outright, 27-24. Zeke on his new, in his new digs. Yes. Zeke is now a member of the uh, Girlies Good Girl. Girlies no, Gone Wild. For PDK. The, he is now a member of Senior David's PDK. Yes, my bad. I'm sorry. I got traded from yes. In a, <laughs> in a major blockbuster in, uh, full of controversy in the Magic City Fantasy Football League today. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, Jacksonville. Getting four and a half at home against the Colts quickly. Bortles benched for Kessler and Fournette suspended. I think the Colts, I think Jacksonville is, is uh, uh, has already started packing the lockers up, it looks like, in Jacksonville. Yeah. So 
I like him. Looking, if you're looking for a fantasy flyer this week, Carlos Hyde potentially for Jacksonville in a one-week scenario. Yeah, or maybe even T.J. Yeldon with uh, being behind and a lot of a lot of throwing out of the backfield. Check down central from Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler and shoots. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. Panthers come to Tampa. My Bucks. Panthers minus three and a half. Ooh, this is a this is a tough one. I know it seems like it should be easy, but uh, the Panthers have really struggled lately. I I'm going with your Bucks on this one. I think that I think that uh, that Jameis has got something to prove. He looked pretty good. I know it was against played the Niners, good. but he played good last week. Hey, he he didn't turn the ball over, which is the first time, and I can't remember when. So, yeah, um, I like I like the Bucks here. I think I think I think Carolina is reeling right now. Their defense is just not what it used to be. In, 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 in unrelated news, Mr. Jameis Winston has settled another lawsuit with the Uber driver. Yes, uh, that. that came out yesterday that he settled that suit. So hopefully this is the last of the uh, legal proceedings for Mr. Jameis Winston in his uh, career because he's on his last leg um, as far as – I think Tampa wants to keep Jameis, I think, in the end. They want to keep him. They want to give him – but you just can't have any more off-the-field instances, um, and you got to play better these last five games. So. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucks in the three and a half. I hope it's a shootout. I hope my man, Mr. McCaffrey, goes wild to, from a fantasy perspective to have the undefeated perfect season in the T-Town Fantasy Football League. But uh, I'd love to see my Bucks sting the, sting the Panthers and keep their faint playoff hopes alive with a, with a, with a win. And I like, uh, I like uh, Mr. Godwin in this matchup with Deshaun Jackson possibly out, not playing as much or playing well lately. I like Godwin in this matchup against a really bad Panthers secondary. Didn't I trade him to you a couple weeks back for nothing? Yeah, and then I got him for Jameis Winston right after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Baltimore goes to Atlanta. Atlanta minus one. Quickly. Baltimore. I mean, I'm sorry, Atlanta. I like Atlanta in this one. I think uh, I just don't think Baltimore – I don't think that their offense is – I think it's too one-dimensional. Gus Edwards, where does this guy come from? I, 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 you, you know me. I know where most guys have played at college ball. I've never heard of Gus Edwards. Where did he play at? Uh, I have no. I really have no idea. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I remember I've never even heard the thinking, name. I've never even heard his name before. Yeah, I, I didn't even know he was. Uh, he was uh, at Rutgers. That's right. Yeah, he was a Rutgers guy. Yeah, he, he came out of nowhere. He came out of absolutely nowhere. Dude, I think they, they made Alex Collins inactive last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's Gus Edwards' job. Uh, Ozzie Newsom is going down with his guys. It is a full <laughs> phase out of Mr. Collins, who's had a pretty good year. Yeah. Can't hold on the ball, though. Wow. Can't, can't hold on the ball. All right. The beloved Baker Mayfield with, with many pleasantry, holiday pleasantries for one Hugh Jackson this week, <laughs> going to Houston to see Mr. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think the win streak goes to nine here, and uh, Houston wins. Houston looks really good right now. Their they defense do. playing well. I think they give Baker Mayfield fits, um, and I, I think that I think that Watson roll and and the offense rolls. I'm with you. I think Houston wins probably seven to ten points. We're not even talking about Miami and Buffalo. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go to the uh, the Bears. Tricky game going to New York. With Mr. F Mr. Shermer, who refuses to give Saquon Barkley the ball in the second half, when you're up 19 to three, gets five touches after he destroys Philadelphia in the first half. Um, I, I think it depends on who plays for 
play, who plays for Chicago. If if uh, Trubisky's back, I like the Bears. If it's Daniel, I can see the Giants maybe squeaking one out because they're a little bit better than my Lions. So I got a feel. I got a feeling you're going to see Chase Daniel again because I think Chicago's got a comfortable lead in the, in the North. They're going to give Trubisky another week to rest, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think they want to risk him getting injured uh, uh, against New York in a game that they think they can win without him. This is going to be a 17-13, 20-17 kind of game, I think, if Daniel's in the game. All right, uh, Denver goes to Cincinnati. No Andy Dalton, done for the year, thumb injury. Gus Denver John- just keeps trying to steal games late against these decent teams. The Gus Johnson Bowl, if you remember Stokely, oh, God, Stokely. Uh, that's where that happened, Denver against Cincinnati <laughs> years ago. And uh, I think Denver wins again. I think that I think that they uh, they look good. They look good against Pittsburgh. They were obviously at home. But they went on the road and beat the Chargers. So uh, Cincinnati is in a is a, in a spiral right now, especially starting starting Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. Uh, I got a funny. Were... I will say I watched I watched a decent amount of that game at the end when he when Driscoll was in the game. Driscoll played okay. He he didn't play bad at all in my opinion. And uh, AJ Green's supposed to be back. I got a funny feeling Cincinnati's going to beat Denver this week. Well, to me, Denver, it, Denver's just not very good on offense, in my opinion. And no, I know Cincinnati's not, not great, but Cincinnati's defense is atrocious, though. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cincinnati in the points then. What are, what's the line? Five. I'll take Cincinnati in the points, but I I still think Denver wins. All right, your 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 Lions host the Rams in in Pontiac. <laughs> Ford Field, baby, minus ten for the Rams. Minus ten, that's it. That's, that's a all. That's a that's a big number on the road. I don't care who's playing who. Coming off a bye, I mean, come on, I, man, I, Rams win the game, but I could see Detroit covering the number. I mean that that'd be great. I, I don't see it happen. <laughs> I think that could be a, an easily a twenty plus point game. I mean, in indoors. With the, with the Rams and the those those skill players? No. All right. Here we Sue, go. Sue coming back to Motown? No. Motown, baby. Motown. Here we go. Arizona going to Green Bay quickly. I, Green Bay rolls, I think. Easily. Easily. I think I think Steve Wilkes is one and done in Arizona. Please, God, is whatever can get David Johnson the ball more. Jeez. Here's <laughs> another. Here's another. Are you kidding me? Kansas City goes to Oakland, minus 15 on the road. That's high on the road. Uh, I don't even if you are Oakland, but uh, and that's a rivalry game. I would I like Oakland to cover there. Yeah, but, just that that would have to be a backdoor late touchdown to, when you're down twenty one and you score late to lose by yeah, fourteen. Yeah, that's what I, I think that that could be a, a a backdoor cover right there. I think that Kansas City wins. Okay, I could see I could see like a 12, 13 point win. All right, here we go. San Francisco, uh, San Francisco going to Seattle. I think Seattle went big. Big. The two marquee games of the day in Foxborough, the Patriots hosting the Minnesota Vikings, New England minus five. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. I like I, – I, I think – I think are the Patriot rules in effect here? We're not quite at the number yet. The Patriot rules are usually three and below. We're close, though. I, could, I think the Patriots win the game. I think but Minnesota I think could, covers. I think the Patriots could be up 10, 11 points late and give up a prevent touchdown to your boy Cousins and not cover, but I think the Patriots win the game. Yeah. I know. I, I think the Patriots win in Foxborough just because Minnesota does not play well outdoors on the road. Uh, but 
but yeah, I definitely think that I, I, I think that they could cover that number. I think too, with you got Xavier Rhodes got hurt late in that game last week. I think that's that, going to hurt. I can see the Patriots loss. coming out. I can see the Patriots coming out and throwing the ball 30 straight, you know, 10, 15, 20 straight plays going after that secondary. Yeah. Uh, Belichick loves to attack your weakness and that will be their weakness. Yes, sir. So, um, I, but I, I think that could be a high, high, high in Foxborough. I think that there could be some points scored there. All right, Sunday night, quickly, L.A. Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. This could be, this, this could be my uh, pewter pick of the week, Pittsburgh minus three at home. That's a, I, I, like, I like Pittsburgh, and I like them to cover. I think they bounce back after a disastrous performance in Denver. I think the Chargers, without Gordon. I love Pittsburgh aren't able to run the ball as well. And I think that that puts Rivers in some bad situations. Pittsburgh is so much different at home than they are on the road. I like Pittsburgh. Love, love Pittsburgh. Yeah. Love, love, love. All right, here we go. Monday night in Philadelphia, the Redskins, Eagles, NFC East. Almost, you, you know, almost, it's not quite an elimination game, but it's very close. Colt McCoy at the helm for the Redskins. It's an elimination game for Philadelphia, that's for sure. If they I don't win this, they're pretty much do- toast. But the Redskins are going in the wrong direction. They've lost just they've lost too much. I think Philly gets it done. Um, I think the second half rally last week uh, maybe fuels them, and and they get it done this week. Fantasy owners, if you're not already playing this guy, you better be playing Josh Adams Josh the rest Adams. of the way. Yep. He's been a he's been a great find for me and my team. I know Not you've got well. him. I think you've got him in the other league. So yeah. he's he, he's he's starting for me, and they're going to keep giving him carries. They like him a lot in Philadelphia. Yep, yeah. yeah. you can uh, all Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood owners. You can cut bait. <laughs> yes, <laughs> drop ad moves. Yep. All right, another great episode in the books. Appreciate your time, Mike. I know we've gone a little long tonight, but uh, lots of stuff to talk about in the in the world of football, both college and pros, and. Have a great weekend, all right? You too. I'll see you next week. All right, buddy. See you. Again, check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Stitcher. Check us out on Libsyn. Powers on Sports Podcast, episode 10 in the books. Appreciate your support. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a note at Kick the FB, Twitter feed, at Kick the FB. We'll see you next week.